0: Well, this Advent series, we are studying the questions of Christmas. Essentially, we're looking at the characters of the Nativity story, and we're learning from the questions that they've asked about their coming Savior. Last week, we looked at Zechariah, and we looked at his doubt as he asked the angel of the Lord, how can I be sure that what you are saying will really happen? We were challenged as we looked at our own lives and realized that that far too often we don't have faith like Kelly was talking about. Far too often we just pursue that which we can be sure of. This week we're going to be looking at the life of Mary. Now Mary is a character in the Nativity story that all of us are familiar with. We have heard sermon after sermon on Mary. We know all of the facts about Mary. We know that she was probably just a teenage girl. We know that she was engaged but not yet married to Joseph. We know that she was a faithful follower of the Hebrew law. We know that she came from humble beginnings. And we know that to give birth to a son before she was married would be a condemning act. And if I'm entirely honest, it's a story that I like to hear and I like to listen to, but have rarely felt convicted by, one that I have rarely related to. And I find that anytime I study a story that I haven't been convicted by in Scripture, sure enough, God challenges me. So let's take a peek at this narrative found in Luke chapter 1. Mary answered, May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This story is difficult to dive into. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that none of us have ever had an encounter with the Most High Angel Gabriel. We've never been told that we would give birth to the Savior of the world. And so while it is a nice foundation and a good setup for this incredible story of Christmas, it's one that we can feel comfortable just patting our backs on and just listening to. You see, Gabriel is kind of the primary character in this story. He talks a lot and Mary is rather quiet. But I have found that the framework of Mary's response to the voice of the angel Gabriel may be helpful in allowing you and I to engage on a more regular basis with the word of the Lord in our life. While it is unlikely that we've heard from an angel, I can guarantee that each and every one of us has heard from God in our life. The problem is, is that if you are like me, rarely do you recognize it as the voice of God, and oftentimes you prefer to simply ignore it. So let's take a look at Mary's response throughout this scripture. In verse 28, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. At this point, the angel has said nothing to which Mary might want to argue with, nothing that might make Mary uncomfortable. He hasn't challenged Mary. He hasn't shared with her that she would have this son that would cause her great strife. At this point, all he has done is praise Mary. Anytime that I'm in a situation with someone that I look up to, a, a boss or a supervisor, and all they're doing is praising me, I kind of puff out my chest. I grow a couple inches, but Mary doesn't. Instead, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Try to wrap our minds around that. The angel of the Lord has come and spoken to you and shared with you that he is speaking to you because you are greatly favored by the creator of the universe. That he has chosen to speak with you because of your faith, because you stand out from the rest of the crowd. Why would you be troubled? Why would this cause you to have a restless heart? Why would this suddenly toss you into the throes of discomfort and anxiety? It seems strange until we reflect on other characters of Scripture. And we realize that almost every time God engages with his human followers, it is met by a level of discomfort. Adam and Eve met with God in the garden and it says they are filled with shame and so they cover themselves. Moses stands before the burning bush, not sure of what he is looking at and afraid. Abraham and Sarai laugh uncomfortably as God shares his plan for them. The Apostle Paul is struck blind in the street when he engages the word of the Lord. You see, it's not always the case, but often when God speaks, it causes discomfort. It causes a restless heart. Our culture would tell us that at all costs we should run from discomfort. We are to pursue the things that make us comfortable. Happiness, wealth, success, notoriety, power, things. And so when we think about this concept of discomfort, we flee from it. But if God speaks to us in discomfort... That means that more often than not, we also flee from his call in our life. As I think personally, I don't have to go far back to recognize a time that I felt uncomfortable that I deeply believe was God speaking to me. About a year ago, we were planning our big Take Root campaign as a staff, and we were sitting around a table discussing all the incredible benefits that we would have and how our ministries would flourish, and I was so excited and so thankful that we had a congregation of people that were willing to sacrifice at that level, and I was so thankful that I worked here because that meant that I didn't have to, right? I justify, well, I I spend so much time here. Surely that's sacrifice enough but the second that thought passed through my mind, I noticed that I started to feel restless. And that discomfort built over the next year until just a few weeks ago, I was sitting in the tent with some other leaders and Dan was sharing about how sometimes sacrificial living caused the leaders to step first. And that struck in my heart, recognizing that The reason I was uncomfortable, the reason that I was restless was because God was calling me to act. God was challenging me to move. And it's not always that discomfort equals the voice of God. There are going to be things that make you uncomfortable that are not God speaking to you. And so I think it's important to look at what Mary does in response to her discomfort to help model what we should do. Mary listens. It would have been very easy at that point with the angel of the Lord appearing to Mary in the garden, this shocking image, to simply run. Obviously it made her uncomfortable. Obviously it was something she had never seen before. Obviously, it struck fear in her, and so the natural response would have been to run. But instead, after recognizing that she was uncomfortable, she listened. She listened. Verse 30, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. I'm sure at this point, Mary's discomfort is ebbing up in her. It's building. The angel isn't saying anything that's going to make her feel better about his presence in her life at this moment. He's saying, look, Mary, you are going to make a great sacrifice. You are going to become pregnant even though you know that you have not been with your fiance Joseph, even though your culture will shame you, even though it could potentially mean that your marriage will fall apart, even though you may be stoned, beaten, and killed for following me. I can't imagine Mary was feeling any better at this point. She says, how will this be since I am a virgin? And at first... This seems very similar to Zechariah's question from last week. How can I be sure of this? A question filled with doubt. But as we study it more, we recognize that Mary doesn't say, how can this be? She doesn't say, how can I make sure that I'll be okay and that I won't be stoned and that I won't be divorced? She says, how will this be? She simply asks for clarity. And when we ask questions that desire clarity, they're oftentimes met with a cheerful response. My wife and I really like watching the show Shark Tank. And almost every episode, there is this one business that is really exciting and all of the investors want to dive in. They all want a piece of the pie. And typically what happens is they look at the entrepreneur before them and they ask a thoughtful question, seeking more information about the business model that's being presented. And every single time, the entrepreneurs lunge at the chance to respond. They say, I am so glad that you asked that. Why? Because this question of clarity allows them to dive deeper into the thing that they are most passionate about. This question asking for clarity points to the fact that the investors are excited and desiring to be a part of this. And so when Mary asks for clarity, she is admitting that God's will will be done and that she wants to be a part of it. She just wants to know better how she can do that. Our culture would instead tell us to ignore the angel at this point. We've heard the challenge. We don't really like it. It makes us uncomfortable. And instead of asking for clarity, let's just pretend it's not there. We do this all the time. Just this past week, my wife and I were looking for a rug for our newly finished basement. And so we went out to the store and we purchased one that we really liked and had the right colors, the right scheme, the right style. And we brought it home and we laid it out and it was just a little bit too small. So we called the company and after hours of time talking to customer service representatives, we found that indeed they could produce for us a rug a little bit larger, but essentially the same one. So we ordered it. And it came to our house, and, and we, um, we, we called a couple friends to come over to help us with the rug, and we moved all the furniture out of the room. We laid down the pad. We, we carefully placed it exactly where it should go. We put the furniture back on, and we stepped back to look at it. And I thought, hmm, that seems like the wrong color. <laughs> and my wife, Brittany, said, what do you mean? And I said, I don't think that's the rug that we ordered And she sat there, and she realized that, sure enough, this was the wrong rug. It wasn't the right color. It didn't match anything else in the room. It didn't add to the room. In fact, it took away from the room. It wasn't the style we wanted. It just was wrong. We did not like it at all. But as I thought more about it, I realized that the consequences of not liking this rug meant a whole lot of inconvenience for me. I was going to need to move all the furniture back. I was going to have to roll it up. I was going to have to find some way to ship a 10-foot rug back to a company. I was going to have to endure hours of customer service representatives telling me that surely I was wrong, that this was indeed the color that I wanted. And the discomfort led me to ask Brittany this question. Are you sure you don't like it? Maybe this wasn't the one that we wanted, but... It's pretty good, right? It's close enough. You see, we try to ignore discomfort, we try to avoid it. I find that the hardest emails are usually the ones I respond to last. I find that when there is tension in a friendship or between me and a family member, it is far easier to pretend that tension isn't there and just carry on with the holiday festivities than it is to dive into a conversation that might bring healing to that situation. It's much easier to pretend that addiction isn't prevalent in our lives because to recognize it, to honor it, to listen to it means that we are going to endure shame and And anxiety when sharing that with our friends and family, so it's just easier to keep on suffering silently. When there's trouble with our family and we're breaking apart, oftentimes we throw ourselves into our work or into our hobbies, hoping that if we simply ignore what's going on at home, it'll just fix itself. But you see, when we do this, we don't find that redemption. And if discomfort accompanies the voice of God, when we ignore that discomfort, we are also ignoring the voice of God, and we're going to find that we will become numb to his word in our life. Instead, we need to engage like Mary does. Too often I have said, I wish God would speak to me the way that he spoke to Mary. I wish that I could hear God's voice in my life. But the reality is, is it's there. It's just not as dramatic as I might like. And it's accompanied with a discomfort that I would prefer to avoid and ignore. Every day we have an opportunity to hear God's word for us. And every day I choose to ignore certain pieces of it and I'm left wondering why I don't hear this divine voice in my prayers. Mary could easily ignore what the angel is saying to her. She could nod her head politely and then when he leaves go, I'm glad he's gone. But instead she seeks clarity And by seeking clarity, she engages with this voice of God. Here's the clarity that the angel offers her. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth Month for no word from God will ever fail. This seems rather unsatisfying when you realize that this is the clarification for a life altering decision. Mary's life is going to be turned upside down, and the angel says to her for clarity God always follows through on his promises. God always follows through on his promises. At this point, once we've listened and heard that discomfort, once we've engaged in the story and we've let God share exactly his call and conviction in our life, we are led to do one of two things usually. The first is beg God to change his mind. God, please, this is, you've got the wrong guy. This isn't, this isn't for me. I'm only a 14-year-old. I, I, I can't give birth to the Holy Son of God. Oh, uh, you don't understand. Like l- this, is, this just isn't going to fit with my life. I just got engaged. That's going to mess things up. God, this isn't really a good time for me and my family. We're just getting settled. Money is a little bit tight for me. You don't understand. This election has been really hard, so I'd rather just push that conversation with my family off. We beg God to change his will. Or the second thing that we do is we say, great, I'll take it from here. I'll take it from here, God. I'm so excited that you have chosen me to be the mother uh, of the Savior of the world. And I'm going to do my best to mesh this with what I've already got going on. You know, six months from now, I'll get married to Joseph. And right then, I'll be happy to have this baby. No one will have any questions about it. And, 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 you know, he'll grow up in a great home. And, and trust me, God, this will, this will work well. God, I promise I'm going to give sacrificially when I have enough money to give sacrificially. God, I'm going to engage in that conversation later when, when the timing's just perfect. God, God I'm going to follow your will when it lines up with my own. You see, we're trying to do what's best. We're trying to be faithful to God, but we're holding on tightly still to our own will. Mary models something very different. She responds, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. No argument. No ignoring. No taking over. Instead, complete and utter Surrender. You see, Mary's responses here offer us a framework to how we might engage with God's Word. But before this narrative, Mary laid a foundation to hear God's Word in her life. And she did that doing two things. First, we know that she was a devout follower of the Hebrew law, we know that she studied her scriptures. Mary sought after God's word in her life through the only place that we can be 100% confident God is speaking in his scripture. If we really want to hear God's word in our life, let's start with the thousands of pages of what God's word already is. A word that we can trust is relevant, that we can trust is true. And once we've done that, we'll start to find ourselves more sensitive to how God might be speaking to us outside of scripture. If we read scripture with, with a heart hoping to be challenged, hoping to be uncomfortable, we'll find that his word is much more active in our life. And then once we do that, we need to begin to pray in such a way that we allow the space to hear God's response when we ask for clarity. Our prayers need to become less about us and more about him. That's the first and that's the foundation of what Mary does is that she looks for God's word and his voice in the place she can be confident it already is and she is consistent in praying and listening for God to speak. But the second thing she does that I want to focus a little bit more on, the second thing she does that I think too often we in the church neglect and ignore is that she surrounds herself by faithful messengers, The first faithful messenger that we see in the narrative of Mary is this angel Gabriel. Gabriel comes into Mary's life and he speaks challenge into how she is living. He speaks the word of God into her life. Because of that, he allows her to hear God. You see, too often in our life, we surround ourselves instead by people that enable our will, people that have the same ideology that we have, people that look the same that we look, people that have the same things that we have, people that like the same things that we like, people that talk about the same things that we talk about, and we wonder why we never experience something outside of our comfortable world. We've chosen to surround ourselves with people that enable us to continue living just like we've been living all along and never pause to think that God might talk to us in a way that is foreign to what we've already surrounded ourselves with. I have a good friend who challenged me a few years ago and his challenge to me opened up a relationship that allowed us to freely challenge each other back and forth he had sent me an email uh, in regards to a conversation that I had had with he and a couple others the night before. And believe it or not, I like to talk a lot, and sometimes I can be a little bit of a bulldozer. And he kind of pointed out some of those flaws. And as I read that email, I was angry. As I read that email, I thought of every single reason he had no right to say those things to me. As I read that email, I was uncomfortable. But as I prayed and I listened and I thought about that email, I realized that he was right. And I realized that this came from a place not of hate, not of malintent, but instead this came from a place that was a God-fearing man trying to offer insight with how my life was not lining up with what God's desire was for me. And now... I find myself able to engage with him often about the topic of my own life and how it strayed from God. I'm able to talk to him about his life and how he's straying from God and we're able to challenge each other in a way that allows me to more clearly hear the word of God. If we wanna be changed, if we wanna hear God's voice, if we wanna take on this call, then we must surround ourselves with people that we have allowed to challenge us And we must turn away from this idea that we need to be surrounded by people that make us comfortable and happy. So Gabriel, the challenger, not the enabler. The next one we see is Elizabeth. Elizabeth we heard about in the, the story last week, but she is a relative of Mary's. We think maybe that she's her aunt. And immediately after Mary has spoken to Gabriel, it says that she travels a pretty long way to go and visit her aunt Elizabeth. And Elizabeth senses right away that Mary is pregnant. And at this point, it would be very easy for Elizabeth to reprimand Mary, her 14-year-old niece who has not yet married. At this point, it would be very easy for Elizabeth to push back. It would be easy for Elizabeth to deny that Gabriel had ever spoken to Mary in the first place. But instead, we see that Elizabeth meets Mary with excitement and joy, sharing how she has seen that Mary is favored before God and exploring what this challenge in her life will actually look like. We surround ourselves with people that deny God's voice in our life. I can't tell you how many times I've been in conversations with other Christians and one person says, you know, I've felt really convicted about this in my life. I feel really convicted about how I've been spending my money lately. I feel really convicted about how I treated this person. I feel really convicted about my attitude towards work. And the response of these God-fearing people around them is, oh, don't worry. Everyone has that. Everyone does that. In short, they deny that God is speaking at all. If we want to hear God's voice, we need to stop surrounding ourselves with people that simply deny God's word because it makes them uncomfortable. And we need to stop being people that deny God's word in the life of others because that might mean that we have to change too. God's word is going to be uncomfortable. There are gonna be times that we're challenged and we need to explore that rather than deny it. We need to surround ourselves with people that are bold enough, that are confident enough in their faith that they're not gonna project their discomfort, their anxieties on us so that they might actually be able to explore what God is saying to us personally. Never reprimand somebody or deny someone. Then they say that God has challenged me. God has convicted me. That's putting your will before God's. Elizabeth explores this great call with Mary. She doesn't deny that it's happened. She doesn't reprimand how she's been acting. She explores it. And she engages with it. Finally, Mary puts a faithful messenger in her life, her fiancé, Joseph. And Joseph initially is pretty uncomfortable. His fiancé is now pregnant, and he's got a pretty strong hunch that it's not his. And and he's sitting there, on, he's, he's thinking, and we, we hear that he says initially that he, he just assumed divorce her and save them all the embarrassment of what's going to happen. But he hears a message from God too. He hears that nudging in his life. He becomes uncomfortable and he recognizes that he needs to partner with Mary in this, that he needs to share in the discomfort. That he needs to take on some of that pain, that he needs to help her carry that load. Because if Mary is going to be faithful in hearing God's word, then he needs to be faithful in hearing God's word as well. And so Joseph doesn't leave her. And Joseph helps father this child that would later become Jesus Christ. When we surround ourselves with people that enable us and deny us, guess what? when we actually act upon God's word in our life, God's voice in our life, they will abandon us. Because our life is getting a little bit too radical, a little bit too uncomfortable for them. And so they would just assume to find someone else that will make them feel good about themselves. If you truly want to hear God's word in your life, and you need to surround yourself with people that you know will partner with you in hearing God's word and they will walk with you in your convictions. We make God's word confusing. We like to say that we don't hear it. But the reality is is that we haven't listened to the times that make us uncomfortable. We haven't done the hard work of clarifying whether or not this discomfort is really from God or from something else. And when we have clarified that it's from God, we've chosen simply to ignore it and pretend it's not there. If we want to take God's word seriously in our life, we need to look for it in his scripture. We need to offer ourselves in prayer. And we need to surround ourselves with people that are willing to challenge us Explore God's word with us and partner with us in the journey ahead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that we would leave this place today confident that you speak to us each and every day. Lord, we pray that we would resist the temptation to ignore the discomfort. And Lord, instead we would open ourselves in total surrender. We pray that we would open our lives to people that might challenge us. Seek out believers that will explore your call in our life. And Lord, find partners that will walk in the journey that you have laid before us. We pray this in your name. Amen.